In the previous episodes we learned about the history of origin of bible in the lands of India. If you haven't listened to that last episode I recommend that you go back and do that. In this episode we will learn about the idea behind the early biblical translations of India and also we will try to understand how hard and scholastic work is a translation of a book like bible. India is a country known for its religious plurality. Also there are more than 1652 languages spoken by different social groups sometimes spreading beyond socio-cultural barriers in India. All these languages coined under four families or I could say four ancient races such as Indo-Aryan race, Dravidian race, Austro-Asiatic race or Munda race and uh, Tibeto-Burmese race which means Indians are a combination of these racial backgrounds and speaks one of these ancient racial languages inside India apart from the common language the English Among these only a very few languages have their own scripts and are written records available in different forms Here if we go deep to understand the language classifications in India we could see that Indo-Aryan languages constitute more than 60% of speakers and are spoken in the north part of india some most spoken indo-aryan languages are hindi punjabi dogri sindhi gujarati odia standard bengali dialect of rajasthani and bunch of them like urdu bhojpuri maithili and so on a lot of them a lot these are mostly sanskrit based languages and the second major language family in india is dravidian languages with 30% of speakers these languages are mostly spoken in the southern part of india and some of the most spoken dravidian languages are telugu also known as telling tamil also known as tamil kannaris or kannad more known as kannada language and malayalam which is my mother tongue language now let's dive into the third group which is austroasiatic family with 5% of speakers some of the most spoken austroasiatic languages are khmer or cambodian khasi language nicobaris alisan or malay of malaysian language austroasian language is more influenced by the sino tibetan or the tibeto burmese languages There are a lot of Austroasiatic sub languages spoken among the tribal communities in India still commonly spoken in these communities actually some of these sub languages are also spoken in states of Madhya Pradesh Chhota Nagpur west of Bihar Orissa and some minor parts of eastern India and the fourth group is Tibeto Burmese it is spoken by 4% people from north eastern part of India Some of the famous languages comes as sub language families under Himalayish or Himalayan, Bodhic, Tibetic languages and some of these sub languages are the Mizo and uh, Nagami languages. Another dialect Navari spoken mostly in Manipur and some dialects of Bhutan, Ladakh are dialect varieties of Tibetan. Lepcha or Lepcha is another Tibeto-Burman language spoken in eastern Nepal and Sikkim and Darjeeling. with um, a script of its own but they have their roots in nagas like naga language well that is a lot of linguistic stuff or oh, we will get confused in here but now coming back to the translation of bible in these languages um but 
Before getting into the biblical translation part, we should understand the fact that the word translation actually comes from the Latin prefix trans, which means cross from one side to the other side. For example, we have terms like transfer, transport, transplant, transaction, transistor, and transcribe, and so on. Similar to that, translate means to change from one language to another language form. It also has the meaning of like to convey or to introduce a new idea. For an actual work of translation, we need a source language and a target language to which the ideas, theories, technologies, philosophical literature, etc. have to be trans- transferred. Translation is like a bridge to give and take knowledge from one source language to target language or the other way around. After a lot of years after the Christian Reformation, it was the time of British colonialism that the Bible scholars also started going into different parts of the world and studied the languages of natives and started translating the Bible into different vernaculars. So to translate Bible in an Indian language, the early Bible scholars who came to India in the 16th centuries learned not only the languages but the deep history and the origin of the particular language so that once they translate the entire book into another language it should have the authenticity in delivering the common message the book want to convey doesn't matter what language it is and at the same time they wanted the book to feel more ethnically belongs to that particular community which speaks that language alexander fraser titler an 18th century scottish scholar and a theoretician says that according to him a translation should give the complete idea of the source material or source language from it is being translated and also the literary style of the translation must agree in total with the source language and at the same time simplicity of that particular language must be maintained in the target language to which it is being translated similarly eugene nida he is a bible scholar and also a linguistic who developed the dynamic equivalence bible translation theory and one of the founder of the modern discipline of translation studies so he uses two terms the formal equivalence and the dynamic equivalence so according to him while translating the bible both of these aspects both of these terms have to be taken into consideration in the case of meaning also he interprets as grammatical meaning dictionary meaning and stylistic meaning he also points out the importance of componential analysis and gave much importance to the semantic content and the style now the early translators done their best to keep the book authentic by accepting new styles and introduce them into the target language initially a translator takes an idea from a source language and translate it into the target language but some translators they actually invent a new word or they coin a new form of a word or sentence equally effective and sometimes more effective translations uh, this helps in the vocabulary enrichment in the target language and ultimately the language grows into a highly standard literary work hence new biblical words or proverbs and languages came into our life for an example we we use a to z in our common language but it is actually an english translation of the greek word alpha and omega similarly the term amen is used in different contexts such as uh, to say yes let it be so or to support one's view 
The concept of promised land, sermon on the mount, the crown of thorns, good Samaritan, prodigal son, to take up the cross, and so on have been commonly used by different writers in the appropriate context. Now, in some cases, an exact word or an or an equivalent of some native expressions of source language may not be available in the target language. So the translators may have to use the nearest equivalent word or some parallel expression of target language, as I have mentioned before. Sometimes the nativization of the relative word as well as the phonemic pattern could be seen. For instance, Holy Bible has more than two to three meanings in most of the Indian languages. Satya Veda Pustak, Vishuddha Veda Pustak, Prabhu Kavachan, and so on. And that's just in Hindi. We also have other forms like Parishuddha, Samshuddha, Purnya, and a lot of them. Similarly, India do have another bunch of languages with different words which has either same meaning or similar expression. And for an instance, another common word in Bible is behold. The most common meaning for behold is maybe look or listen or take notice. So these kinds of words will need to be translated into a language of declamation style. Some words like Amen, Hallelujah, Praise the Lord are being used as such without translating to give a certain effect. In the case of names also, some kind of nativization could be seen. For an instance, Jesus is known as Isa in Syriac, Yeshu in Malayalam and Isa Masih in Hindi. But the actual name of Jesus is not Jesus or Yeshu or Isa Masih or something. It is a Hebrew name which is Yahshua, more like Joshua. And for Matthew, we can see a bunch of translated Malayalam names like Matan, Mataikuti, Matunni, Matakan, Matai, etc. Matai is my grandfather's name, which translates into Matthew. So we can see within a single language, a bunch of words can be used to describe not only a word, but a person's name as well. Sometimes translators go to under translation where the total semantic content may be lacking and also sometimes over translations where more ideas are added externally. So a translator always keeps in mind to avoid these mistakes. That is to say, translation is not an easy job. Okay, and it needs special skills and sincere effort. Translation of a story from a source language to a target language may be easier than translating a philosophical thought, scientific or technological articles from source language to translation language. When it comes to Bible, it not only has stories but has narratives, hymns, songs, poems, wise sayings, prophecies, sermons, letters, and other moral and philosophical works. In short, Bible translation is really a taskmaster and an expert in this particular field also finds it difficult if he or she is not much thorough about both of the source language and the target language. So understanding the language at first is the most important thing in a process of translation. Hence, it is an ongoing activity throughout the world. In India, the Bible has outnumbered all other translations. From 15th century to early 20th century, a lot of Bible translation work happened here in India through Western missionaries, Bible scholars and other linguistic scholars who found it as very fascinating job. Some other Western scholars like Sir William Johns, Sir Charles Wilkins and Henry Colbrook did a lot of studies in Sanskrit 
and related languages. Here, Sir William Jones and his scholar friends established a relationship between Sanskrit and Latin, Germanic, Iranian, as well as Celtic languages, and came up with a factual theory of relationship between Indo-Aryan languages and ancient European languages, and from which he coined a new term for this relationship as Indo-European languages. So William Jones went on further with his linguistic studies. and later he translated the work of shakuntala and uh, manusamhita or the manusmriti from sanskrit to english this translation work was done somewhere in the early 18th century later charles wilkins translated the bhagavad gita into english in 1784 and max muller translated the hindu vedic literature into english till then the vedic literature was only the property of brahmins in india similarly though Astadhyayi of Panini or Panini's famous Sanskrit grammar was available. Colebrook stands out as the first European scholar to bring out a grammar for Sanskrit language in 19th and 20th century. Cool, right? I mean, these missionaries and linguistic scholars not only translated the Bible work from other languages to the Indian languages, they also translated the Indian early philosophical works as well as Vedic and Hindu literature into English or other Western European languages. really cool nice work now this development of literature studies in culture and language were initiated through gospel literature and as a part of missionary activities through christian faith and bible translation the native literary artists have acquired new insight for their writings including poems for instance rabindranath tagore's gitanjali was influenced very much by the sams mahatma gandhi ji's philosophy and leaders like dr s radhakrishnan Vinoba Bhave, Chinmayananda Swami, Swami Vivekananda, and others were very much influenced by biblical thoughts. In short, we can see people from all walks of life inspired or influenced by biblical thoughts. It is only a fact that mother tongues are like mother's milk for their babies. The thought process of human beings are through their own mother tongues. Mother tongues can arouse one's sentiments, feelings, emotions, and also can attach. or detach the human relationship the language sentiments have been widely utilized and exploited by political leaders these days human communication will be more effective if you get an idea of a piece of learning through mother tongue so educational psychologists insist that the primary learning should be and must be through the mother tongue whatever may be the complicated concept if it is given through the mother tongue the comprehension part is easier mere chanting or repetitive singing through high sounding literary or classical or dead language will not be of much help that is why the interpretations of some other ancient historical books are difficult by the people who chant or sing it very nicely throughout the day and night if we need to have effective communication mother tongue plays a major role that is why after reformation the bible started coming in most of the languages of the different social groups Translation needs the mastery of source language and the target language otherwise the communicative efficacy would be lost translation of bible cannot be accomplished by an overnight job it needs patience time checking testing and comparing with the original text for clarity simplicity effectiveness style structure aesthetic etc moreover it needs personal commitment and scholarly guidance That is why some scholars like William Carey selected a respective language scholars and made the translation. With social change, cultural change and situational change, the language also is liable to change. 
which also accounts for the growth of language so after a certain period of time many usages would become obsolete or change meaning and newly coined linguistic forms develop and hence timely updating of language use is also a must now the time has come and it is our duty to identify our own people and to come forward and venture into the task of translating the scripture for our own community through our own people it is really appreciable that a good number of agencies are going into the different social groups to study their languages by living with them serving them planning with them and taking their help and cooperation to bring out bibles in their own languages